Hi everybody, welcome to another Chats with Chaudhry. I hope you're safe and well. It's a lovely sunny day here in Surrey and I'm delighted to be joined by a good friend, Oliver Stofer, who is the CEO at PTI Packaging Technology and Inspections. And today we're going to talk about um, digress in, ingress, die ingress testing. I'll get my teeth right for that. <laughs> the reason we're talking about that is because Oliver this week won the 2020 Article of the Year Award from the PDA letter at this week's PD annual conference for an article entitled the industry must move away from diet ingress testing so we're going to talk about that now and and that article and why he's written that so first of all Oliver congratulations on winning the award and it's lovely Thank to see you. you how are you yeah it's great to see you too doing great um as always uh good to see you too yeah, cool. and, yeah things and, are well here and how's things in New York all good yeah, things are well. You know, spring is uh, is upon us. You know, we're hitting the one year anniversary of entering into lockdown, and so this is just sort of one of these moments that I think is really um, it feels it feels good. It feels like we have a really bright future right now. Uh, a lot of great things happening here locally, so that's great. Good, excellent. All right. So yeah. um, to start off with, and let's start with a really basic question: What is diet ingress testing? First of all. That's a great question. So there's a few different approaches to dye ingress. Ultimately, dye ingress, dye is a surfactant, it's blue dye, and a surfactant is, you know, it thins out the dye. But what you typically are doing in a blue dye test is to see if the blue dye enters into a space that it should not, right? right. Uh, for the pharmaceutical industry, for parenterals, you know, injectable vials and syringes, dye ingress is... Uh, seeing if the dye will enter into a vial or syringe. And they do that by pressure cycling the vial or syringe underneath the, the blue dye bath. So you put the dye in a bath. So you put it in, uh, draw a vacuum on it to pull any air or product out of the, the vial or syringe. And then you bring it back to ambient pressure to push the dye into the container. And uh, so that's the dye ingress test in summary for the parenteral space. But um, you know, it's not a global standard. There's a USP standard, there's an ISO standard. And then if you go to any facility or site, they're probably doing it somewhat to their liking. Um, right. And, um, you know, the, the Diangris test has been around uh, for quite some time, a very long time, but it, it's really from the days of when we were dealing with small molecule pharmaceuticals. And so it, it's, a lot of things have changed since that was one of the primary test methods. All right. So, well, that brings us nicely on then to your article. So for those people who haven't read it, but you can tell by the title that you've said that people, you want people to move away from it. So I, I, I can't take credit for the title. Somebody else uh, <laughs> came up with the bold title. I just, I just did the writing. So uh, <laughs> right. I apologize for the bold title. All right. So, so my question to you is this, and as you mentioned, it's been used for some time now as a uh, test method. So, uh, what motivates you to write the article and why do you think people should move away from it? Well, you know, the, so the article talks at, at the root level, why the diangress test for parenterals is no longer really the, the, the method that we should be leaning on. Right. So uh, it's been here historically, but to move away from it or shifting away from it, certainly the industry, it's, it's a bit of a, we could say a burden, right? You have to revalidate new methods. You have to put a lot of energy and effort into a new test method. But reasons why you would want to move away from it are fundamentally that it is a probabilistic method. There are a lot of aspects to the test method that make it uh, variable depending on 
who, what site's doing it, where they're doing it, the concentration of surfactants, um, it, the, the pressures that you're running it down to. But predominantly, the main thing that is impacting the diagress test today is that the entire pharmaceutical industry, the future of it is going into large molecule and biologics, right? right. So that's really the, 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 the growth. That's where everything is. So um, if that's the case, how I just described the diangress method where we're cycling pressure and you're expecting air to come out and die to go in, well, it, you also have to expect that the, the, the product will, will come out of the container, right? And if we're dealing with large molecules, we're no longer dealing with just a, a saline solution or water for injection. This is a thicker substance. It's uh, viscosity is different. The chemical, um, the chemical interaction of the product and the defect uh, and that defect is different. So it just makes that much more challenging for the, the diangress test to be effective, right? And all of the research that is actually published out there today, it shows that the diangress test isn't that effective. And that research was done with water for injection, a very thin, just, a, you know, it's water. So it's not viscous in a sense, and uh, it makes the test that much more capable. But th those research studies showed that the diagnosis test isn't really that effective. So uh, given that we're heading into this future of larger molecule uh, products, right. this, well, this test method is really just, um, it, it's, it's not the right thing to consider. And it's something that people should no longer be leaning on. So the, the question is then that obviously there's been a move to biologics for quite a few years now. I mean, obviously it's accelerated with the vaccine and everything even more so, but certainly over the last two, three years, maybe a bit longer than that, there's been a lot of talk about moving over to that. So why has, you know, the diagnosis method still been there and people still been using it? And, you know, if there are better solutions out there that people can use. Well, it, it's, it's cheap. It's simple in, in essence, right? So you say, hey, I'm going to pull vacuum, draw a product out, and then repressurize and the dye will go in. It seems simple. It seems practical. And it's cheap, right? Uh, that's, that's the extent of it, right? That's the extent. There's nothing else formidable about that test method. It just isn't really that... Um, it's not giving you quantitative data unless you're doing mass spectrometry on the, the actual product that's in there. Right. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, again, it's a destructive test that may be an impractical aspect of the diagnosis test method, but it, it's really just been around because it's just, Hey, just go grab a bottle of methylene blue and let's, let's get rolling. You know, that's it. And, and frankly too, you know, one, one thing to consider is a lot of the, the blue dyes are considered uh, a, you know, they're, they're, you have to dispose of them in a, an environmental way. So they're, they're technically a, a, a toxic chemical, right? And um, right. they even consider them, uh, I, I think some of the substances like uh, sodium polysorbate are considered to be uh, carcinogenic, but I, I, you know, don't quote me on that, please. You know, I, I've, I've read some research though that, you know, there is, um, right. genotoxicity is something that is to be concerned by. All right. So, what are the challenges for companies and if you want to make the switch uh, to another method and uh, what are those other methods that people could switch to and, and how can they sort of make that switch? 
So, uh, yeah, great, great question. There are a handful of determinist test methods that are mostly listed in USP 1207, and there are always going to be new technologies coming out, but those methods in USP 1207 are sort of a laundry list of methods. So it could be uh, vacuum decay, high voltage, it could be uh, headspace analysis, gas headspace analysis. And each of these technologies does something different, right? Uh, high voltage is one of the only technologies that doesn't require any mass to go in and out of that defect site. So we can actually detect a defect if it's plugged with a product, right? Uh, headspace analysis is one of the only sensory technologies where the sensory technology is not interacting with the defect, it's measuring the headspace. So each technology has a different capability, a different approach to, to measuring if in fact there is a defect. Um, they can be applied in different stages of the process and some can be automated more easily than others. But you know there is a, a good list in USP 1207 that you should consider. Uh, but those three headspace analysis, vacuum decay and high voltage are three predominant ones for uh, sort of in-process testing. And then the fourth, of course, is helium leak detection, which can be used in process. So it can be, but technically you have to get helium in the container. So that is more focused on container development. So if you're doing a plunger to barrel fit in a syringe or a stopper to vial fit for vials, right? Right. Okay. So Obviously, uh, over the last 12 months, due to the pandemic, you've seen a lot of uh, development for the vaccines, which means that people are now testing more in terms of yep. parental delivery systems. So from your own experience, then talking to customers, have you seen people shifting away then from diagnosis testing to some of those methods that we've just been mentioning? If they have the diagnosis test grandfathered in for a current product and it was validated, uh, then they're typically not shifting away. Right? right. But as they're developing new products, new products are coming to market, more and more clients are realizing the diagress is fundamentally not working for this product or this container format. Right. And at that moment, you get a phone call that says, what can be done here? How can we approach this? And so we are uh, there with every new uh, pharmaceutical development, whether it was pre-COVID or even during uh, during COVID, where you are seeing a bit of um, yeah, you're seeing some container development, but I think during COVID right now, really, there is, there's just sort of the speed to market where they're using, uh, common containers that are known. They're using fill finish lines that are, that are known. Uh, and so it's ultimately, it's a different product that's being filled into the container. So it's, uh, I, I wouldn't say during COVID we've seen an uptick of that just yet, but I guarantee that we will see a, uh, a proliferation of container development here in the coming year to two years because of the fact that we know that this is not the last pandemic and the next pandemic can be just two years down the road. You know, the, we're going to be battling this for a while and having container formats that you can fill rapidly, deploy rapidly, and that perform at a high level. Those are three things that are going to play into container development over the next uh, year to two years. Brilliant. Yep. So um, if you want to get more information about the sort of methods that you've talked about and also see a copy of your award-winning article as well, Thank you. then where can they get, uh, get that information and see that article? 
So that that PDA article is available at the, the PDA letter. You can uh, go to www.pda.org. And uh, in there, there is the PDA journal, which is the scientific journal, and then the PDA letter where uh, more, I would say, uh, uh, other types of articles we uh, are presented and that's where my article is. And um, so that, that's, that's where you would find my article. If you wanna find more information about the inspection systems that I mentioned. So headspace analysis is not offered by PTI, but you'll find that by other manufacturers such as Lighthouse uh, Instruments. And otherwise you can go to PTI's website, PTIUSA one word, ptiusa.com, and you'll find helium leak detection, vacuum decay, and high voltage. Uh, those are three very strong primary technologies to deploy for this kind of application. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that, Oliver. As always, it's lovely speaking to you. You're always so knowledgeable about the subject, and I think that's some great points that you've made there. So if you'd like to know more about the CCI uh, testing methods that Oliver was mentioning, I'll put the links above the video so you can go and find out more about them. And also I'll dig out that link that Oliver's mentioned for the PDA letter article as well. So hopefully you can see that article as well and have a read. And, and if you agree or disagree with Oliver and you've got other comments or any questions for Oliver, then please feel free to put them below the video in the comments. And also you can message Oliver directly on LinkedIn as well. So all that's going to say, Oliver, as always, it's great to see you. I'm glad things are well in New York as we speak. Have a fantastic 2021. I hope uh, it's uh, a successful and more and more importantly, a healthy and happy year for you and everyone at the company. So it's lovely to see you again, my friend. Thank you so much, Rizwan. Health and uh, strength to you guys over there in the UK as well. Thank you. Fantastic. And as always, as I said, check out the information that Oliver that I've mentioned. Uh, get in touch with Oliver. Check the links above the video. And until next time, as always, stay well and stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.